Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, episode 83. I am your host, Greg Troxel. I'm back from doing business things, Elijah says. Um, and we are bringing you a super hot fire edition of Newcastle's only black and white podcast. The truest black and white podcast. And to complete the black and white podcast, I have the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. Did you want me to say something? I I don't... Hello. There is Elijah. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> if you're not following me on Twitter, <laughs> you're, you're stupid and wrong. So uh, do that, at Elijah underscore Newsome. Um, yeah, we're live. I'm excited to be here. It's a beautiful, crisp Thursday night on the East Coast. It feels like fall on in Vegas. It's probably still hot as hell. Um, so yeah, that's how we're that's how we're living. Greg, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Mm. Um, you know, just getting ready for a three-point weekend. You know, oh, big, big six-pointer. Yeah, just yeah. prepping for it. Okay, <laughs> that's how we looking. Yeah, yeah um, the Liverpool match was, you know, more expected than not, I guess. But um, this one, maybe. There's a maybe yeah. on this one. Yes, yes, and uh, this match day, uh, this upcoming match day, people can see Greg tweet from at chn underscore radio and me tweet from at coming home in UFC, and they'll both be wonderful Twitter accounts full of wonderful tweets, and you'll love them all and enjoy. Yeah, every tweet that's posted, you should just like it. Yeah, and retweet it, actually. Yeah, both. I agree. I agree. All right, um, let's go into club news. Let's let's just dive right on in and let's talk about racism. <laughs> oh yeah, that's my favorite subject. <laughs> um, so Peter Beardsley, uh, he's uh, he's punished. <laughs> he was yeah. punished. Uh, so Elijah, walk us through. There's a lot to digest here, but walk us through. I guess everything. That's been handed down, and and maybe maybe even do a little catch up on the situation as well. Yeah, so um, there was, uh, I mean, really, like almost a couple years ago. I remember we were talking about this on the podcast when uh, Yassine Bellamini, Yassine Ben Elamini left the club uh, last summer, I believe, uh, right before, right when we were starting this podcast. Um, but he was the first to come out and say that Peter Beardsley was racist. The club looked into it and fired. Submitted. Peter Beardsley later fired him, and now the FA has come in to investigate um, whether or not Peter Beardsley had made racist remarks while he was um, over the U23s, um, and they did an investigation, and turns out he was saying some racist stuff. Um, he violated three, bre- he breached the rule of FA rule E3, which is um, basically the racism rule, like you can't say anything about someone's ethnic group or color or race or nationality um he breached that rule three separate times on three separate occasions uh, he called the player monkey he made some um racial stereotypes about africans in their age and he made a stereotype pertaining to black people climbing trees and stuff like that um so essentially what ended up happening he's got an eight month ban from the fa um but what people are talking about is peter beardsley's uh statement um most notably, uh, he basically feels Peter, uh, his legal team reached out um, and reached out with the statement and said um, it was almost impossible for Peter to clear his name because of the serious flaws and contamination of the evidence that occurred in the disciplinary process for Newcastle, and by the unusual fact that the FA rules put the burden of proof on on him to prove his innocence in the proceedings after a long process. That which has been unnecessarily protracted. Peter feels vindicated that the commission has expressly found that he's not racist. Basically, Peter Beardsley was shocked that the FA thought he was racist for saying racist things. And furthermore, 
he doesn't take the blame, and this is the part everyone's talking about. Um, in his statement, it says, Surprisingly, Newcastle did not provide the relevant training and education for Peter. Peter has always been willing to e- and eager to attend all and any training organized by the club. And, wow, I mean, Mike Ashley's done it again. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess you can blame Ashley for this. <laughs> and it's, it's a bold claim, considering, like, some of the stuff he said, it was like, hey... Like, if you have any kind of brain and common sense, it's like, hey, but that's just racist. Like, you should not say, you shouldn't call a black person a monkey because that just doesn't, it, I don't know, I don't know in any place where, like, that would be normal. Maybe Italy? Oh, deep dig in Italy. Shout out to Syria for just continuing to be racist. Not a shout out. Not, yeah. no shout out. Well, it, it's a shout out for them continuing to be racist. So it's a negative shout out. It's an anti shout out. A nega shout out. All right. Yeah, negative shout out. But yeah, I mean, he feels like Newcastle should have provided him with training on how not to be racist. So um, we'll stay tuned to see if Newcastle implements some non-racist training for old people. Yeah. Greg, do you have any thoughts on Peter Beardsley? Uh, I'm glad he was suspended. Yeah. That's a, that's a common thought. It's a, <laughs> it's a very safe answer as well. Oh, Pedro. Mm. All right. All right. Uh, Let's yeah. move on then. Um, yeah. So we're we're t- we're going from the FA, having a great trip, hopping in an airplane, mm. and we're flying to Atlanta because we want to check out and hang out with Elijah. It's but true. But then on the way to get to Elijah's house from the airport, we just go check a practice session of Atlanta United, which and is find some Newcastle scouts. Geographically, that's not Joseph Martinez. Yes, just not geographically accurate at all because it. I live I live closer to the airport than You're, the train to go. This is this is not the point of the story. Oh, okay, yes. well, I wish I really wish sometimes that um, our account was like twenty thousand people so that Newcastle fans could stop embarrassing themselves um, and get educated. Um, but today the Chronicle. Um, put out a report saying that Newcastle are interested in their scouting. Joseph Martinez, they'd gone to some MLS matches and um, some Venezuela matches, which, and they're, they're interested in the player. And uh, yeah, if we were to do a BS meter on this, um, it would be like, like a giant crane carrying seven tons of horse manure, um, because this is just something that's not going to happen. Uh, I wrote a whole piece about it. So if you want to... I don't want to spoil anything. Well, I can spoil part of it. But, I mean, essentially, it's not going to happen. Um, Greg, what are your thoughts on Joseph Martinez linked to Newcastle? Um, well, I think there's a natural link there. They already have a relationship with Atlanta United. Uh, but... I wrote about that, though. Like, the, the fact that they have a relationship. And in, in any other situation, that would be a good thing. But when you try to lowball and haggle with a club all the way up until almost the last week of the transfer window, I don't know if having a previous relationship with the club is all that beneficial. It's like, why? Uh, I don't know if Atlanta United wants to negotiate with Newcastle United ever again. Yeah, but there's no real, like, evidence of that. Darren Eels has said it. I mean, Doug Roberson, when he wrote I mean, his if- report, he said that both, all parties were frustrated. Miguel Amaron's agent was yeah, very but then frustrated the, deal with the got whole done, thing. So huh? Who's really? I mean, the, the, but the deal got done. So like, well, I'm just saying the deal got done, but it was a terrible negotiation process. Yeah, probably, that's all I'm but, saying is that who? Why would you want to negotiate with Newcastle again when they were uh, barely willing to meet the asking price of a player who, to be honest, Joseph would be worth more given. The, the pure stats, if you want to go that route, than Miguel Amiron and the fact that he's won MVP and has broken almost every scoring record ever. I don't know he'd want to negotiate with Newcastle again. But that's a very small part of like my reasoning for why it will never happen. But, I mean, the link makes sense somewhat. I mean, I don't know. But it also doesn't make sense in other ways as well. Most notably that Newcastle just spent £40 million on another striker and I don't know. I thought they believed in Joel Linton. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to, I don't think uh, there's a ton of BS going on here, but at the same time, 
I don't think it's going to happen just because uh, we need, I think uh, we'll be looking to strengthen ourselves elsewhere. Um, I don't know. Also, it's Atlanta United so want to tell. sell Joseph Martinez. <laughs> That's the I only mean, thing. Yeah, but when you're sitting at the table and somebody's paying you a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I would I would argue that, and like my piece argues that he's the single most important player to this club. They would rather sell Barco or Pitti before Joseph. And they, Joseph also doesn't seem like he wants to leave Atlanta United, just given the ridiculous amount of media. Not, sorry, the ridiculous amount of quotes he has about his love for Atlanta and just his track record in Europe and such. But if you want to read the piece, a lot of people liked it, mostly Atlanta United fans, so I think it's pretty good, but I'm biased. So go ahead and read it for yourself. Yeah. It's on comingomnewcastle.com. <laughs> um, all right, really cool. So let's uh, let's dive into the Brighton preview now, uh, but we are going to do that right after this break. Hello, 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 Elijah. Oh, gosh. Now he's singing. <laughs> I am not even drinking right now because I have so much alcohol in my system already from yesterday that I don't even have to drink today. Well, that's, I'm doing a little bourbon sweet tea. So Yeah, there which you go. Which is delicious. Um, yeah, we're, we're playing Brighton. It's the seagulls, the probably worst worst of the mascots. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's it's definitely his. Um, we are. It's a it's a nine thirty a.m. Pacific time kickoff. It's a twelve thirty Eastern t- kickoff. It's a five thirty um, British time. What's that? Seventeen thirty. Yeah, seventeen thirty British. Mm-hmm. St James's Park, Newcastle. Let's go. I'm I'm kind of excited about this game. Yeah, why? Yeah, I've no real real reason to be excited okay. about any Newcastle game, but I am kind of excited about this one. Okay, um, I said why, and you said I have no reason to be excited. Yeah, but I am. Okay. Well, and first thing we'll we'll start off is we'll we'll start by looking at this wonderful table, the mm. Premier League table that we love so much, and we're in the relegation zone. We are. We're only one point behind Brighton. So this is, as Elijah stated in the beginning, it is a six-pointer. And we love a good six-pointer. See, that's a reason. Well, or you can rebrand the six-pointer thing, which I I hope Steve Bruce continues this. He just called this a cup final atmosphere. Oh, yes. Brighton and Newcastle, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Instead of saying it's an important six-pointer, he's just going full cup final. Well, yeah. And he would know. <laughs> he's got great luck in cup finals. So yeah, he, I'm I mean, glad he we're had... taking that approach because he's lost all his cup finals. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's going to be a two nil loss. Um, but yes. in all seriousness, yeah, it's a six pointer. Um, Brighton is not great. Newcastle could be better. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's about it. Could it. be better is certainly uh, yeah. Um, and I don't yeah I don't know Brighton's just. Brighton's so weird. It's so unbelievable to me that they're actually still in the Premier League. But here we are. Uh, we can talk more about this. Let's let's first discuss how we think people are going to set up um, for this match. So let's talk about some injuries and some lineups. I know on uh, Brighton's side, you have Trussard and Izquierdo are out. Um there's there's like four doubtful players. It's Ezekiel Scaletto, Martin Montoya, Leon, uh, Bal- Bal- I don't even know who that is, and Bernardo. Um, so who knows what's going to happen on that end for Brighton. And it seems like Dan Byrne might start again. Because um, uh, on the, like a left attacking midfielder with, I'm assuming, Glenn Murray at the top. Um, and then Newcastle. Mm. Elijah, tell me about Florian Lejeune. Well, uh, Florian Lejeune and Alan 
Oh, sorry. St. Gucci, Max, were both um, back in training today in an isolated yeah. training session. I looked like it was just them two probably doing some light ball work, not full participants. But yep. that is promising and exciting news. Um, and we'll see how Steve Bruce handles the fact that his top three center backs may not include the guy who is currently wearing the captain's armband. So, uh, hmm. Just, yeah. Um, I don't know. DeAndre Yedlin and Matt Ritchie and Sean Longstaff are all training as well. Yep. And Andy Carroll. Yep. So it's it's looking like there's depth building. Um, I, w- I would say just my, my thoughts before you get into lineup is um, I think Lejeune and Gale will not play or be named. Or it's St. Gucci Max. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I Gale's, just don't know the full extent of his. That's why I, I just left. Yeah, I just I would assume just because they were both in that isolated training session that he's not all oh, the way. Because that's what yeah, it looks like based on the photo the club tweeted out that, that like they were doing their own sort of like a kind of rehab training. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Like yeah. Just kicking the ball back and forth. But I don't know. And Gale, bless his heart, nobody knows where he is or what's going on with him. He just got a nagging kind of calf thing that no one can figure out. So hopefully yeah. it's nothing insanely bad. But it, it, it has shades of whatever Dummett and Shelby had last year where they had to fly to Spain and miss half the season and blah, blah, blah. So we'll see. <laughs> Um, give us your starting lineup. Yeah, so um, I you know I don't know. I, I think Steve Bruce is is hesitant to rush anyone completely back from injury. Um, so I think we're gonna see pretty much the exact same lineup we saw last match. Um, I, especially since Jetro Williams did fine. I think individually players kind of held their own. Ho- held their own. It wasn't like anyone looked bad enough to immediately be dropped i mean i know people are going to come at me for a mill craft but i mean if i gave him a second chance so can you i mean i don't know i don't think he's i think that he's fine i don't i don't think i think that he just had to go up against really tough opposition and that happens when you go up against the literally one of the best teams in europe like not everyone's going to look great and often times it's going to be a defender who hasn't faced these guys before that's going to look awful so um yeah i don't know i don't think that's a reason enough to drop him from the team and and start Manke or or yedlin over him um so i think that's gonna be the exact same lineup with Kraft, uh lascelles dummett and share um with jetra willems uh we'll maybe see john joe as well in the midfield again with isaac hayden he looked a little bit more lively um this past match uh just just a, just a smidge not to the degree as sean longstaff um miguel almiron uh, back again with uh, with Christian Atsu, who has been um, really good, actually. So it gives me a little bit of, of, of faith um, and gets me excited for the St. Gucci Max Almiron lineup. And Greg, I just want your quick thoughts. What are your thoughts on Miguel Almiron playing essentially a position I've honestly never seen him play before in right wing? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because it seems like Bruce e is continuing to start him at like a right winger position. Um, I don't know. I just need him to get his goal. That's that's my thoughts on that. Like he just needs to get his goal, or yeah. an assist, even for that matter. Yeah, I, Mirza brought up a good point um, about what how would how would Miguel be different if he had gotten that chip um, in his debut start that uh, hit the post. We were all watching yeah. that with Warren Barton. That was a good time. Um, shout out to Toon Army American Meetup. Whenever that happens, we'll let you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how think how different things would be, but uh, it, it is frustrating. But part of it is like, it, it doesn't seem like. I think that we're solid in attack and midfield, but the transition to attack is still just like so bad for Newcastle on all fronts. I feel like nobody's really creating chances. Um, not just making. Obviously, he's going to get the foot of the like a ton of the blame because he's one of the more expensive players out there. But even if you look at Atsu, it's like. Um, a lot of the times, even when he has to create chances, it's just like spur of the moment, one-on-one, on a counter, and it's like, that's good and all, but for the amount of times Newcastle have won the ball in the past couple of matches, there seems to be no actual transition to a, 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 an attack. Like, what made Leicester yeah. so great when they won the league was when they won the ball, the midfield then started the attack, so... 
it, it's it was frustrating to see, especially when you had a guy like Shelby, who like that's his mo is he's the midfielder that can spray some balls and start some attacks. But it, I don't know. I think that has to be addressed before we see the success of anyone in the front three. I mean, it's hard to imagine Joel Linton or Atsu or Almiron scoring under the current um, under the current uh, tactics that I, I've seen so far. Um, I, I hope against Brighton it'll be different with a weaker defense and a weaker keeper, but who knows? Yeah, I I, I don't have I, honestly I don't have much. I I don't know what's gonna get him to produce like it seems like he can by the way he plays sometimes so um i'd love to see him step up and really take over in matches like this one um so that and that will that actually leads me right into my next question is what does newcastle have to do to win yeah i think it's 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 the same couple things you have to i think you have to have a clear plan on how to get service into your attacking players and I think that's been the the frustrating thing to see, even in the Tottenham win. Um, there, like everyone gets on Joel Linton for for not seeing the ball and not having much of the ball, but he's shown over the past couple of matches that he can do it, whether he's leading the counter or if he's um, uses hold up play or if he's a target man. The issue is that Newcastle aren't getting the ball to him, and if they do, they're getting the ball to him in, in awful positions where he can't do anything. So I think in order for Newcastle to win, they simply have to find a way to get service to their attacking players. I mean, so many times we see Atsu and Almiron dribbling the ball up the pitch by themselves, or you know maybe they have uh, Joe Linton alongside them or, or one of each other, um, but there's no one else joining the attack, and the balls that are being played to these guys aren't great. Additionally, because of the fact that we're playing sort of inverted wingers, we're not getting service in to Joel Linton. Almiron had one cross uh, in the Liverpool match, and he had to take it and cut in um, from the right-hand side to put the ball on his left foot to cross in uh, the, the ball. And it's like, if you want, and see Bruce keeps saying, like, we need to get balls in, we need to get service to Joel Linton, play the people on the right side of the pitch. I mean, both Atsu and Almiron are having to change feet in 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 order to to get these balls in instead of being actually naturally able to just swing in balls so it's it's about service to the attacking players for me i mean i I don't know Uh, if you get service to those guys you have a better front three than brighton has a defense like you should score yeah um i think for me uh, it it does revolve around Almiron. i'd actually like to see him not come back in defense so much for change, even though I love that part of his game, but really my focus for him is is getting productivity on offense. Um, I think we have when when we're healthy. I think we have a good enough defense uh, as is without his help in coming back. And I would like him just to more of stay in his position the whole time and continue to work and build that up. I think that's going to be. I don't think there's anyone on Brighton that's going to like be so. Um, detrimental to our defense that like we need to pull Almiron all the way down to the corner flag. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I I think I think trying to tell Almiron say, hey, save your legs, like stay disciplined, stay in position, and all I want you to do on Saturday is just is either get an assist or get a goal. Like that's your only focus. Do whatever yeah. it takes to do that, but don't track back on defense. I think that's one of the things that I would say Newcastle needs to do to win. Actually, yeah, I think that's my key. Is is that I think Almiron is he's become the I'll do everything for you player. Like that's his mindset, and I think just because I I just really think he needs to get get one to get going. Uh, I think we should just focus on on that fact. Uh, Greg, I have this for you. I wonder if uh, I, I I honestly I'd like to see this is um when we get to when we switch things up and St. Gucci Max is back, I think honestly the best way to maximize the front three is to have Almiron slightly behind St. Gucci Max and Joel Linton because Almiron works better centrally where he's able to use his pace yeah. to 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 get to different areas on the pitch, whether you know, instead right now he's kinda of confined to trying to use his pace to navigate in one certain area and it's not always working out for him. So I wonder if, if him moving a little bit more central is going to help with that whole idea of taking over. Like I, I just remember key moments of even watching with Paraguay um, this past summer in the Copa America. Like they play him as a cam as well, and yeah, his best moments for them were just him 
just all over the middle of the pitch, being really involved in the buildup um, and, and yep. you know, dropping back in the midfield and, and picking up balls and, and moving forward. And right now it just seems like he's so focused on the, staying on that right-hand side. And then he gets take he gets shot on anytime he tries to drift in centrally. Um, so it, it, I don't know. I think that there does need to be a little bit of tactical change in order to maximize your players to the best. And like you said, Sanguchi Max technically is his best when he's a secondary striker. So it makes sense. And I, I kind of hope that's the direction we go eventually. I don't know if you want Atsu playing as a second striker right now. And it kind of works better for Atsu to be a pure winger. But Miguel is not a pure winger. And so that's something that he's still obviously trying to figure out. And even under Rafa, he really wasn't a pure winger. Um, so yeah. I, I agree with you. It's so, got to be less that defense. Is, yeah, I, and and a lot of it. I mean, playing on on certain sides of the like different sides of the pitch, and you're like your natural footing, or like um, Almiron has like. It, I I wonder what they're doing with him in practice. I'm assuming it's like he's just playing that side, but if it's also it wouldn't do him any service if like in practice he's also playing like three different areas of the midfield. Like, if you're going to play him on the wrong side, then like at least have him <laughs> be practicing on that side the entire time yeah. for the match. So yeah. there's a lot of comfort and, and plays around. But I, I, my guess, and I, I have no evidence to prove this, but my guess is he's definitely playing pretty much everywhere in practice, and they're trying out all these different things, which doesn't do anybody like good service. I wonder if, if Brucey switches back to that pure almost uh, three five two. Because in preseason, he did nick an assist or almost got an assist with Joel Linton. I think he ended up getting one um, and during preseason, just them playing off each other and Miguel having that kind of free roll, um, almost as a cam uh, second striker hybrid. I wonder if Bruce is playing him at that position in practice as well, like you said, where he's yeah. playing so many different positions. And I don't know. It's it's hard to get a, a read on what Steve Bruce is. Um because sometimes you're like he's getting it right, and sometimes you're just like, "What are you doing?" Yep. <laughs> um, going on, look, looking into Brighton now. Who's a player that you need to? Who do we need to look out for? Oh gosh, um, I, I'm I'm assuming Pascal Gross is still there because he's a monster. Ah. <laughs> Like physically a monster? Well, I mean, just like he, like I know he's essentially from how I've watched him, he's been one of the sole reasons that they've still existed in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because it's uh, uh, they don't really that like he's their source of offense, and he's a he's a solid um attacking midfielder. Um, that would be the big thing. I mean, Aaron Moore is on there as well, and Sully March also very good players. Aaron Moore, obviously. Um, a newer signing for them, and he's been good. I remember he came in in one of their early games. I believe he nicked a goal or had an assist. He came off the bench. Uh, so he's going to be a good threat off the bench. And Sully March has always been a, a good young English prospect. Um, he kind of hasn't hit his stride completely yet, but I think that he's starting to come into his own. Um, I mean, Glenn Murray as well, I guess. It would be the striking option you got to watch out for. I'm surprised he's still playing. Yeah, the the two I I uh, picked to focus on, uh, which you said one of them was Sally Marsh. Um, really interested in that and how he will do. I think he's had a really good season, and mm-hmm. he was pretty integral in their three zero win, which is their only win, uh, their opening opening match against Watford. And then I feel like I could be wrong on this, uh, Elijah. You you may know, but I feel like every time we play Brighton. The person who absolutely like just doesn't make an impact on the score sheet or anything, but like um, kills us is Shane Duffy. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I, he's just some, a pest. like I just remember him being like, holy crap! Like this guy. Well, one, he's like very unlikable, and two, like which like he's a defender, so it makes even more sense. But like I feel like he's like I don't think he's good, but he always like. And he's Irish, and beats us somehow. Yeah, oh. no, he's he's solid. He, he's a good yeah. player. Um, yeah, and I do know that for some reason Glenn Murray also has good matches against us, but that's different. Story. I know. 
it, I don't, <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense because he's he's not as bad as the there's a what team is that maybe it was was it Huddersfield who had like their their captain was like 37 or something like that I don't know um, but yeah, I think it is Huddersfield from last season but anyway yeah I, I they they have some players but like you said it's one of those how are they still in the Premier League because you look at their squad it's like there's there's not really one player I I'd say maybe on this whole squad there's one player that I would want potentially two um, and that'd be Pascal Gross and Sully March. Everyone else, I'm like, eh. And I don't yeah. even know if Sully March would start for us. Yeah, that's a great point. So, I mean, I think um, you'd have to change formations for Pascal Gross to start, but it's potential he, he could start. Anyway, like you were saying, let's move on. No, yeah. Uh, I was just going to talk about some stats. Uh, we all love the stats. Mm. Uh, one of the stats is that... Um, since we've both been in the top flight, Brighton is undefeated against us. Mm. Um, so there's that. Um, also, we clearly haven't, like, they, like it's weird because they've beaten us every time we've been up, but they've now, they haven't won in 13 of our last 14 Premier League matches, Brighton. And... I was pretty confident they were going down last year, and they, they managed to uh, have some crazy survival. But um, to be fair, every one of the matches were like that between Newcastle and Brighton have been like very close. But you just think that we would do better. We lost one to nothing. We drew zero zero, and then we were in the championship before that. So, like, uh, sorry, uh, that's in, in in Newcastle. We drew zero zero and we lost one to nothing, which. Like in Newcastle, that's why I added these because in Newcastle we should be beating Brighton. Yeah, like, this is not this should not be a loss and a draw to Brighton at home. Like this should be through, like six points through two total matches in the Prem. Yeah, um, that's just that's how I, I feel pretty pretty strongly that that's that should be the case. Uh, as going to five thirty eight, five thirty eight predicts each match and how teams do at the end of the season. They actually do think Brighton will get relegated um, at the end of the season, but Newcastle still unscathed. And they have Newcastle with a 48% chance to win this match, a 28% chance to draw, and a 25% chance to lose. So 538 saying that really good chance Newcastle's getting at least one point. Um, that's uh, what's 48 plus 28, Elijah? Dude, you, what, 70? I don't know. 76. Sure. So 76% chance we get one point. That's that's good odds. Um, or 75. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. 76. I think I did that right. Wow, good for me. Um, <laughs> the most lopsided one, 89% chance Man City beats Watford. Oh, well. <laughs> 3% chance Watford wins that one. But um, Yeah, so I, I mean, usually when you see that, like I think 538 does a really good job of like – breaking those things down and and that's a really good chance that we're gonna get something out of this and and it really needs to be three points is what it needs to be um yeah so let's let's wait i got a stat oh go ahead if c bruce wins saturday afternoon evening morning wherever you are if he wins uh he'll have seven points for the season which is the point total that newcastle took until November of last season to get. So Steve Bruce would be off to a better start than Rafa Benitez last season. Yeah. Technically speaking. I mean, if you're looking at the actual team, then, then no. But technically speaking. <laughs> yes. Technically. There you go. Um, predictions. So I'll go first. Okay. I, I'm really interested to hear yours at the end. That's why I would like to go first. As long as you're good with that, Elijah. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. So we went ahead against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. That was that was nice. But then, obviously, like, one team was better than the other. That team won. Sucks to say it. It's just reality. Um, but Brighton hasn't won since their opening day. And these matches have gone... Very close since we've been up. We dominated them in the championship. That was fun. Um, but I'm still going to be pessimistic, Greg, a little bit. I'm going to agree with 538, 
but I think that this one is going to end up in a brutal one-to-one draw. Man, I mean, if you look at their track record, that would be a kind of somewhat uh, normal prediction. Uh, you know, if you look at their matches since the win against Wofford, it's been 1-1 against West Ham, uh, 2-0 against Brighton, 2-1 win against Bristol Rovers, 4-0 to Man City, and 1-1 to Burnley. So in those kind of mid-table teams, you're looking at West Ham, Burnley, Southampton, they've scored in all but one of those matches. And I think that's going to happen again. But I'm, I'm predicting a 3-1 win for Newcastle. Um, oh, I would love that. Yeah, I, I just it feels like it. It feels like that one three one win we get every season where like it's just like a beautiful day, a sun's shining, the grass is green, you can see Ooh, talk to me. Talk oh to yeah. Me. You can see how beautifully the pitch has been mowed and it, it's it just feels like one of those days where you get one of those iconic goals. I think last season, whichever t- game that was where Rondon had that thunderous header, it, it's gonna feel like that match where Newcastle just looked good for the first time. Because they're kind of out of their shell. Um, I feel like the pressure's a little bit off. They've got an easy game before a run of somewhat difficult and potentially all winnable matches. This would be a good one to get, to, to get going into Leicester and Man United. Which, hot take, both are winnable games. So, um, I don't know. I think it's going to be a 3-1 win. And of course, we're bringing it back. It's been a while since you've heard me say this. But Miguel Amaron will get his first goal for Newcastle United. Hey! It will happen. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. I'm going to say a goal and an assist. Um, and Joel Linton, oh, wow. I don't think he'll score. I think he'll have an assist. I think Atsu will almost score, but that's a given. Yeah, Atsu. That's one thing we can easily put we can just count Atsu on. Atsu will almost score. Yeah, it's 100%. All oh, that's yeah. going to happen. Hey, Greg, <laughs> here's another storyline coming out of this match. Um, we mentioned it a couple weeks back before the international break, um, but this is a protest match, so we'll see how that goes. Um, it's been a little quiet recently as it regards to um, chatter about the protests, not as much as, you know, because I mean, partially because of the international break, but beforehand there was a lot of talk of protests from one of the various boycott group so we'll see if people actually boycott this and it is worth noting that Newcastle have had a, a couple um, not near capacity matches the couple the past couple of matches have have not been uh, near capacity so uh, yeah I, I mean it'll be interesting to see what the stadium looks like on Saturday yes it shall be all right um, let's go to questions uh, we're not going to do an ad break because I said so Okay, well. Um, well, like, how long has this been? Who knows? Oh, yeah, we're, yeah. We don't need to do an ad break. The people oh. the people heard the ads. Yeah, okay. Because Newcastle's being boring now and not creating a lot of news for us. But we, as the closer we get to January, obviously, the BS meter comes into play. There's going to be a lot more. Oh, yeah, uh, it's substance. just, and, I mean, and you're going to get a takeover rumor at some point, and we'll have to yeah, talk about take- that. Or Steve <laughs> November Bruce. takeover rumor. Yeah, it's 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 Newcastle bound to happen. <laughs> um, the first question that we have from Toon Army Portland. What up? Follow him at Toon Army PDX. Mm. They say, "Do you ever feel like you're shouting into an empty void?" <laughs> I don't really know what that means. I guess do they mean like do we ever feel like we're just talking and like no one's hearing and nothing's happening I, I don't really get the question um yeah just i get uh, yeah t- translate it however you feel <laughs> uh or maybe maybe I, this is how i'm i'm taking it and i could be wrong but i'm saying that with, with all of our all of these complaints that we've had about newcastle do we feel like we can say whatever we want, but in reality, the person that needs to listen never listens. I mean, I think that that's technically true, but to our credit, I believe, honestly, everything we've complained about as it regards to the play of Newcastle United kind of has been addressed. I mean, you heard me in the first couple of weeks. I took a dump on Emil Kraft. He's been better. Um, I took Ish. a dump on Steve Bruce tactics. We now have tactics. Like, they've been employed. Um, you've you've um, you've taken a dump on Miguel Amaron. Not taken a dump, but wanted more from him. And he slowly is getting there. I mean, we took a dump on Jetro Willems in his first start. He scored a goal. I think that, like, 
we're speaking things into existence. So I wouldn't say we're say we're 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 yelling to an empty void because we're speaking it into existence. Some higher power, the soccer gods are listening and they're rewarding us for being loyal and faithful fans and always staying positive regardless of how crappy things may be um, with the club. Yeah. That was a pretty damn good answer if I say so myself. Yeah. I think you pretty much crushed it. I don't I have nothing else to say. Yeah. You better um not. And our last question is actually from the official questionnaire of CHN Radio. Who needs to tweet his Trevor. questions. Mooney, yeah. Trevor, you got to tweet the question. Yeah. I'm not submitting your text responses anymore. Yeah. But it was a good one. That's why I'm saying it. <laughs> uh, he said, what's the next best tandem? Oh, sorry. Let me read it better. What's the next best tandem to Miggy and Joseph? That's the question. Okay. Number one, Brighton and Hove. That's funny. Ben and Jerry's, Barnum and Bailey. Well, R.I.P. Barnum and Bailey. I'm going to go Ben and Jerry's because it's election season, which means that the very liberal Ben and Jerry's is about to come out with some sort of uh, some sort of flavor for the Democratic uh, candidate, some ice cream flavor for them. So Ben and Jerry's is about to be um, trending on Twitter again within the next year or so. Yeah, that definitely. So I was going to say, like, I want, I mean, Barnum and Bailey, it's it's obviously no more. Yeah, R.I.P. Um, R.I.P. Circuses, Bar- that's so bad. Barnum is a crazy story. But, um... Is that the whole, is that the greatest showman thing? I didn't watch yeah. that movie, but everyone else Actually, did. Yeah. I will say, it's it's pretty awesome. Movie. Okay. I'm like, not, like, a mu- like, musicals are fine, but, like, this is actually really well done. It's Ashton Kutcher in that. Is that who the lead is in that? No, it's um, it's Wolverine. Oh, it's really. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Did, yeah. It'd be interesting if they had made the character actually Wolverine. So it was just like the whole. It was the Barton Bailey story, the, but it was Wolverine, and he's just like killing everyone as well. Oh. That'd be a sick movie. Uh, I'm uh, signing in. Let's make that. It's not just the <laughs> Joker movie, essentially. Okay. Yeah, yeah, ideally. <laughs> ideally. Um, um, okay, that's cool. But my answer, uh, Brighton and Hove is a cop-out. Like, who calls your place Brighton, like, something and something? Like, cheating. Like, no, what are you? You're one or the other. You can't be both. Yeah. Brits. So I, I guess I have to, by default, because of just pure hatred of the name Brighton and Hove Albion. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just dumb. Um... <laughs> Uh, that's why some people maybe call their teams United, but y'all just be like, oh, we're multiple things. Yeah, I agree with that nonsense. Mm. I'm going to p- take Ben & Jerry's because Ben & Jerry's is still around. Also ben delicious. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. If you don't know what Ben & Jerry's is, because I don't know if it is it's an not, international thing. I feel thing. like it's not in England, yeah. Um, it's great ice cream. Yeah, and they're very they liberal. Like they're from Vermont. Very punny, very punny names to their ice cream. Because they're liberals from Vermont. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else, Elijah? <laughs> yeah, I have one more question for you. Okay. This comes from NUFC 360. Um, it was an interesting question. It had a very a lot of interesting responses, and I would like to hear the purist, the soccer purist, or football purist, Greg Troxel's take on this. Okay. Because I think this is something that would interest you. Um, it said basically. Um, asked, wait, real quick before you start, Ben and Jerry's is in England. Oh, just like Taco yes. Bell. So shout out to England. Yeah, you guys got some of the, you got they one really good handle. thing and one kind of cool thing. And they have about. Twitter and Instagram. Just uh, follow them at Ben and Jerry's UK. Oh, I will not be doing that. But okay, <laughs> if you really want right, to follow so, someone on Twitter, follow us at chn underscore radio. But yes, yeah, here's the question. Better, sorry to interrupt. Please, please go on. Okay, so here's the question. Um, if a major corporation, let's say Red Bull. I uh, wanted to get into British football, and their in was to buy Newcastle United, and then they called it RB Newcastle United or Red Bull Newcastle United. Would you be? Would you? Would you essentially take that deal, or would you be like, no, I'm going to stick with Ashley because there's only one Newcastle United? Blah blah blah. Um, yeah, I I would not take that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, because. There's no guarantee that it will work out. Um, 
in the Premier League. Yeah, maybe it worked out in Austria, and then it worked out in an MLS system, and then it's worked out in Germany. But look, look how it is in Germany. Like people boycott every single RB Leipzig match yeah. because of how the clubs run. Like they're easily the most hated club in Germany. Easily. To be fair, part of that is that the whole German, but you know this, the whole German yeah. soccer system is like anti-corporation. We're like yeah. here, like we literally have, like they would be hated like Man City. I think possibly even more because Man City is like essentially a country is running that team, and people aren't they aren't happy about that, basically for the moral reasons. But you're right. I, I don't know. I, I but I don't know. I feel like Newcastle fans are still going to show up. Like I don't know. I feel like, like if they haven't stopped showing up to a uh, like if the team's successful, which is quite possible, because essentially if you go to the, if you're a guy in Premier League team and you're Red Bull, like that's going to be your cash cow. And so what they do with RB Leipzig, they're going to do with they would do it. Yeah, RB but they Newcastle. don't actually spend a ton of money. At well, no, that's what I'm saying. They just take their best too. players and all put them on the same team, which is like, yeah. we, and they have a good development system. So it's like. Newcastle would be better. They could possibly be better than they are now, um, and at least at a minimum, play um, more fun style of football because they all just recycle the same coaches that all play an exciting pressing style of football. But anyway, I, that being said, it's going to be hard for Newcastle fans to resist going to Newcastle games where the team is probably good. Uh, yeah, I, I would counter that. I, I mean, the the argument like they. Oh, if they've already, or if they're still going, then nothing will stop them. I think changing, literally changing the name of the team they support and all the jerseys they bought. I think that's that's something that will definitely stop a lot of people from going. It's true. I think there's, also- a, there's a there's a sense there's well, the reason people are going to these games. It's it's a an area of loyalty that most people don't understand where they're coming from, and that's directly affecting that loyalty. Is when you change the name. Like that's that's a everything you've shouted, every song you've sung, every jersey you've bought, every scarf you've bought, every tattoo you that's ever been put on someone's body. Like everything changes once yeah. you change that name. It would um, be. So I think that that would actually kill the soul of what is Newcastle United and the reason why fans are going yeah. to those matches. It's, it, I think that would absolutely affect everything. And that's a good that's point. My opinion. And and to kind of close out on this, in reality, if this if something like this were to happen and say Red Bull buys Newcastle, I think that they would put their logo on um on on the on the jersey. But I don't know if they would actually change the club name because they're ta- they would be taking over an already established club. If you look at all the clubs they took over, they were like no name. Like with Red Bull New York, that club they li- literally didn't exist. Um, with RB with with Salzburg, it was a lower league Austrian club. Uh, Rosenbull Sport Leipzig was like a third division German club. So it's like they were they were fighting very small battles. This would be tough to fight. Like, and if you're RB, or if you're the Red Bull Corporation, and I think you just go yeah. on the fact that like everyone, like you're going to get the exposure regardless. Um, I don't know if you it's necessary to change the name completely. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that's a. That's interesting. No, it's a great topic. question. I saw that, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. uh, that's something crazy to think about. And, and people did have different yeah. answers and unique answers. And, um, but I mean, and on that light, it, it's broken. interesting. It's very interesting to see, like, you know, where people are spending their money. Like, they, there's in MLS. Uh, I don't know if Greg and I even talked about this. Chicago Fire. We did talk about this. Chicago Fire got bought a couple weeks ago, maybe early last week. For four hundred million dollars, which is actually more than Newcastle is valued, and it's a quote unquote worse league. Um, it's interesting to see, like, you know, if Newcastle is technically the more valuable club, like, why are more people interested in buying the club? Um, and I don't know. It's it's something to think about. And the Chronicle keep reporting that there's interest, but it, it's it's interesting to see like other clubs being bought that are like. At or around the same value, or basically, people are overpaying for those clubs, and uh, you kind of have to sit here and wonder, like, why is no one even sniffing at Newcastle? Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, do you have anything else that you'd like to add, Elijah? 
Um, no, I'm excited for this this weekend. Uh, be sure to check out all the dope stuff um, being put out. Greg and I are working on a super secret project on the website. That's going to be dope. Um, some cool things happening in the podcast space as well. So just stay tuned in. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends. Um, listen to it. Press play and pause a bunch because that makes us money. Um, and yeah, away the lads. Yeah, this uh, that concludes episode 83 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. This is the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom, and the beautiful song and sounds of Coming Home Newcastle. We bid you farewell and away the lads. Love you guys. But I wish I was on the case side Looking at the old time bridge I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the club again I'll pray the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're forty and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I've walked the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river time. I'm coming home. Newcastle, I wish I'd never been a weird. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how weird, I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again the dog is in James's pocket, the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I've walked the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother's in Hilly Highway. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. Walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog in St. James's Park